Welcome to the Technory Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Today's show is brought to you by Active Campaign. See why more than 100,000 businesses use Active Campaign for their marketing by going to activecampaign.com slash Technori. Get your first two months for free on me. Uh, I am a user of Active Campaign, as I say in nearly every single podcast. It is on the first front homepage of my phone. That's how much I use Active Campaign, uh, the Deals app. It's cash. Uh, so today's guest is Yoav Schwartz. He's a CEO of Uberflip. Uberflip is a company that you may not have heard of. I, I honestly hadn't heard of until it came on my uh, radar, which I guess is how our hearing of things happens, right? It comes on your radar. I'm an idiot. I've been in my basement for a long time. It's fine. Um, but the point here is I'm going to give you an example, and this is pretty much all you need to know. If this example applies to you, then you should listen to the, the rest of this podcast. Working with a company right now, this is a true story reaching out to me saying they want to put together this email blast. It's kind of like not a COVID email, but sort of a, a hybrid a COVID plus we're still here in business kind of email and whatever. I, to be totally honest, I don't, I don't think they should have sent it. That's a different, that's neither here nor there. The point is they spent days going back and forth between executives on what to write, how to write it, who should write it. Is it a story? Is it an update? Is it a personal note from the CEO? Is it this? Is it that? Then another couple of days on like, what pictures do we put on here? Should it be a beat picture? Should we feel this way? Should it be our, our team here, local? What, what is it? Who gets it? Then they go, who do we want to send it to? Do we sub-segment? Do we, some people get an update? Some people don't. You can see the mess. This is you, right? This is you filling out your email blast. This is you putting together a campaign with your marketing department. Days spent on strategy. Then you clean up and cook up all the content. Now, I'm just going to guess, unless you're a, a very high-level marketer listening to this, you probably don't create multiple different types and pieces of content to test against to determine what actually performs well versus what you think might perform well versus we only have time to create this or we only have so much money to create this. That's a huge part of the equation. This is like a third, a third, a third. The first third is what is the messaging and how does it reflect what we actually want? The second third is, what is the stuff that we're actually going to put in this content to make you relate to it, read it, click on it, whatever. And then the third thing is completely ignored. It took five seconds for them to decide. Where do we want the people to click and go? And for the case of this uh, that I'm using here, it was to their website, to a page that I would have found if I was just Googling them. It, wa it wasn't even a special page. It wasn't even like, there was nothing special about it. It was just a, about us. Hey, we're in business. Great. Congratulations. There was nothing special. It did not work for me. Let me put this in context. I'm Netflix. And I tell you, you should subscribe to Netflix. And you do. And you click on Netflix. And all it is is a fucking search bar. You have to come up with what you want. I don't know about you, but I try to have dinner with my wife every night. And we sit there for 45 minutes asking each other what we want. I don't know. I don't know what I want. I came to you. You tell me what I want. That's the whole point. Netflix tells me what I want. I go to Netflix, it feeds me a thousand things. I click on it, I watch it, and it feeds me more. And it, it's, it's right. I keep watching it. I can't stop watching it. I can't stop. I can't stop buying stuff on Instagram. We talked about that at the end of it. It's kind of funny. But like, we, I can't, it, it's smart. It follows me. It knows what I want. For whatever reason in business, we don't do that. For whatever reason, we spend all this time putting together content, putting together this, that, and the other thing. And, and then when it comes time to click, we, we drop them off nowhere. And it's a huge missing component of the mix. And Uberflip takes care of that. They allow you to actually create pages and experiences that will either consolidate or not consolidate types of content for your customer. Will either provide you with 
a spoke on the wheel experience or the whole shebang. It depends on what the customer wants. And the smartest part is they plug in with all these third-party data providers that help facilitate that. So it's not even your decision or their decision as to what your customers will see. You're going to provide all the content. They're going to provide you with the ability to build a, a click experience, a click-through digital experience on par, equal to, or better than whatever your content experience was beforehand. And then they will be able to actually facilitate what might be a better experience for your user. And here's the best part, the part that people forget on. Every single call I have with people, they're like, oh, we did an email blast. How did it go? I don't know. What percentage of people opened it? What percentage of people stayed on it? What percentage of people clicked on this link? That's all you know? It could have been an accident for all I know. I would like to know what did they click on next? What did they hover over? How much of it? Where did they share it? Who else saw it? These are the things I want to know about. That's important. And I think Uber Flip takes care of that in a way that is, I, I've never heard anything like it, to be totally honest. And I'm, I'm pretty you know, involved in the space. So if, you, if that sounds like you, then this is the podcast for you. So this is my interview with Yoav Schwartz, the CEO of Uber Flip. So obviously for those listening to the show, we've talked to uh, a number of the of the main players in sort of the, the e-marketing, uh, digital experience. And we talk all day about how to capture user-generated content, how to actually put the users to, to use and how to capture and target and retarget. And we talk about how companies are actually building out their creative campaigns, how they're using all the social media tools and advertising management tools to capture and, and collect people. But we sort of skip over quickly and probably a huge mistake uh, on the actual experience once we get you to click on it. And I think that's uh, obviously a very, it's a, probably the most important part of this. I mean, short of actually finding the target. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to, to get your take on where we are in the e-commerce world as it relates to just the whole process and then learn about Uber Flip. Sure. Thanks for having me on the show. It's exciting. Of course. Um, yeah. You know, I think, I think marketers um, in general, it's, it's a very tough gig, right? And it's evolved over the years become extremely technical um, while still having to be creative. And I think a lot of energy has been poured into um, how to gain attention of a buyer. And, you know, we focus mostly on B2B, but it's the same thing, whether you look at B2B or B2C, it's how do we get a few moments of attention so that someone actually looks at our message. They look at our ad, they look at our tweet, they look at our, um, our email. Um, and, and that energy that has been poured into, into that realm is, is, is good use of time, but I don't think enough energy has been poured into, okay, what happens when they actually click? What happens when it works, right? How do we get them to continue that engagement? Um, and in the e-commerce world, that's very much a you know, click to buy in most cases, unless it's a considered purchase. And then you have very clear analytics on whether or not your messaging worked. Uh, but when you get to consider purchase in B2C or you get to B2B, it's not just about clicking through. It's about actually continuing a path to engagement. It's about the full buyer's journey. So, you know, really clicking on that tweet or clicking on that email or clicking on that ad is just the beginning. Um, how do you could, to get them engaged? The, the, the larger the purchase, the more pieces of content that buyer is going to have to consume, the more buyers you're going to have at the table for a single decision. So getting them engaged and consuming all that content, whether it's videos or, or articles or, you know, might be more technical white papers, having them consume all that, all those assets 
is ultimately what's going to drive towards that sale or, or that, um, you know, that eventual leading them to become a customer. I think it's funny the way that you sort of phrase that because the, you know, I, we work with some big brands and many of them, whether it's Salesforce, Home Chef, Active Campaign, so forth. And we get to the, we've, we've talked for months, right? We're talking about, you know, what their customers look like, how we're going to deliver leads to them, yada, yada, yada. It's a podcast, but then there's also our whole digital front and it all ends up with great. We got a deal. And then we'll just set up a landing page. And that's the end of that conversation. And right. I, and, and this has actually happened several times where like Salesforce in particular, they've sent us landing pages that I know, you know, and I get it right. Like they're, they have to go through legal. They've got to go through all this different stuff to like, make sure that it's approved content and that the header's right. And all this stuff is right. But at the end of the day, you know, as a consumer, I'm, I'm fairly intelligent when I click on pages and links, I actually do notice that the page is the exact same as some other link that I got. Like I can tell it's a landing page. I can tell you just hung basically new information on it and it's not all that functional. And then the thing that is probably the most frustrating as a customer, and this is B2C and B2B, uh, is when you click on a landing page and that requires you to click on another button to go to another page. It is maybe the worst experience. It, it loses me almost every single time. So I, I, I'd love to know, like, how do you, what do you think, it, what, it, what should it look like? Like we, we all kind of know what it does look like unless they work with Uberflip, but like what in your mind is the experience? What should it be? And, and maybe that is different for, you know, a multitude of purposes, but like in general, uh, what is the thing that you think has been vastly missing? Sure. So I think what you described there perfectly is the dead end experiences that marketers have unfortunately had to produce because it's so hard to get anything up on the web. They have to go through red tape. They have to have their agency do it. They got to have their internal IT department approve it and put stuff up. So when it comes to actually getting the content up, it's such a drag that the majority of the time they're like, you know, I just put up this one page and we'll, we'll deal with it. We spent all our energy on you know, that, that, that first half of the equation, getting the engagement. What an experience should look like, um, if you think about it, whether you are buying you know, a, a bottle of Coke or you are buying a car or you're buying a really expensive piece of machinery at work or a piece of software, at the end of the day, you are a consumer when you go home at night, right? And what you've come to expect when it comes to content experiences is things like Netflix or, or Spotify or even the shopping experience of Amazon. You expect it to be personalized and you expect it to be a really easy journey and an enjoyable experience. So, ne so Netflix is the perfect example when it comes to content experience. You do not go into Netflix and search by title or search alphabetically. Netflix is targeting you. It has figured out based on other behavior or what else you might like to, to watch. The entire experience is designed for you to continue to consume. Netflix's entire business is the more you consume, the better. That means you're spending more engagement minutes here, the more likely you are to renew your subscription, right? When we get into the business world, we very much want uh, those people, those buyers to consume content, but we're not just interested in them consuming as much content as we have. Like we don't earn more dollars by them consuming every piece of every white paper we ever wrote, right? We earn dollars by them getting the information that they needed. Right? So, you know, Gartner or Forrester put a stat out, it takes, it takes the average B2B buyer 11.4 pieces of content before they make that decision. And they make that decision pretty much on their own. If they need to consume 11 pieces of content and the way that they get to each asset is through a landing page, through every email or a tweet or, you know, um, advertisement you put out there, 
first of all, it's extremely expensive to get 11 different times they're going to interact with you. And two, it's going to take a really long time. They're not going to click on an ad every day, right? So the real way to shorten that sales cycle is to get them to consume as many of those 11, if it's 11 for, for your company or it's five or maybe it's 20, to consume as much of it as possible once they actually engage that first time. So they click on an email, they click on a tweet. You don't want to present them just one piece of content. You want to present them those, those 11 or those five or those 20 pieces that they need to consume in order to make a decision. Right? And the reality is you don't have five or 11 or 20 pieces of content. You have like 500 pieces of content because as marketers, we keep producing more and more to, you know, to fill certain gaps. And we don't ever really throw out the old stuff. We tweak it, we modify it. Our library continues to grow. So how do we figure out what this particular person that needs to make a buying decision about our product or service, how do we give them that Netflix-like experience to be like, we have a huge library. We don't want to put it in front of you. We just want to put these five pieces of content that we know are important for you to consume right now while we have you engaged. Right? And if we can do that, and maybe we can't get them to consume five, maybe it's only three, but now we're talking three to four visits instead of 11. And now we're creating an experience that, that mirrors what us as consumers expect when we go home at night. That's what we need to get to as, as businesses. Is how do we get them the information that a buyer needs to make that educated decision in as little time as possible? How do you guys arrange the content? How do you arrange the page or allow me to arrange the page? Because I, I feel like one of the, the biggest challenges, and I'm thinking of this as a small business, is if I could, if I, I do have the ability to throw up a, a unique landing page or a unique, you know, very specific thing, but that doesn't scale obviously for me in a, in a bigger business. How do you sort of set the tone and change that experience? Like what is, what is a company's first move? What does it look like? Sure. So, uh, I mean, I'll walk you through some basic stages of, of how, to be, how to be successful with content experiences in general, whether you're using Uberflip or something else. It's more about the content experience framework. So first, it's really about organization. It's about bringing all of your content into one place. So the first thing you do as an Uberflip customer is you connect all your different services. You connect to your different blogs that, you, that, you, that you've authored and will automatically pull in all those posts. Connect to your different video services that you might use. You can upload all your PDFs and turn them into page flipping experiences. You connect your social, you can connect Twitter. Um, once you have all that, now you have a giant repository that's all been normalized for you inside Uberflip. So now you have access to everything. It can be tagged, you can automatically tag content. And the next thing is to create what we call streams. So you have all this content, it's in your central hub, and now you wanna create different streams. Now the streams could be for different campaigns, they could be for different accounts that you're targeting. If you're doing, using account-based marketing as a tactic and you're putting out a bunch of ads and emails out to a specific account, well, you don't wanna just send them to some generic landing page. You wanna send them to a page that was designed for that account with just the content that they need to see. So as a marketer in Uberflip, you simply drag all the assets you want into a stream, you brand it, you know, using a template. Um, and if you have, you know, a static selection of content, you can organize it, whatever order you want, but this all takes about five minutes. And then you have a, a destination, a URL for that specific stream that again, might be tied to a campaign or an account or something else. So within a couple of minutes, you're able to set up these experiences that are now not just superficial. They are, if you put 20 assets in there, it's now a 20 page, a microsite essentially that 
that might be a subdirectory of your main site. It might be a subdomain. And now you're enabling the, that, that uh, visitor to traverse through all that content in whatever order you set up. Now, it can get more complicated than that. You can use our AI recommendation engine so that once they interact with a piece of content, we're using 20 plus recommender systems to figure out what to actually recommend them to consume next. And that could be totally out in the open in your entire library, or you can tune it to say, no, just recommend within this set of 20. So that you're basically suggesting the order. Or we've, we've integrated with, uh, we have apps now in our marketplace, which is going live next week, um, that integrate with third-party uh, technologies such as Domainbase and Sixth Sense and Clearbit so that you can use third-party data to uh, not only personalize the look and feel of that page, bringing in a company's logo and their name and you know, really real-time personalization, but also filter out the content. So you may say, you know, I'm going to put 30 pieces of content into the stream because I know that's important to this particular account, but I don't know which 10 are going to resonate with this particular person in this account. I'm going to let the data that comes back from Sixth Sense or Domainbase or Bombora determine that for me and filter it down. So what we're really getting to is, like I said, that Netflix-like experience, but through the context of the lens of the business. It's so smart. I mean, I think the third-party piece of this is the part that's even more, I think, interesting than everything because you've got, like, people... We are literally just having this conversation with my wife. She was talking about one of her friends who was like, "Oh, Facebook, stay in your lane. What are the pixels? Why are like why why is it following me everywhere? Why am I feeding ads all over the place?" And I was like, uh, "If you like, let me ask you: Would you shop and buy all these things if they weren't delivered to you in this way?" And the answer would be no. Like, if they didn't know what you wanted, you would never shop there. You would actually dislike the experience. You'd be going you know, if you're on Amazon and it wasn't feeding you what you wanted, you would be like, what a terrible experience. We're so conditioned now when we click on things, really not even click on things, when we go places, like it's annoying if a restaurant, we don't go anywhere right now, but when we were, if a restaurant didn't know who I was and didn't know what I wanted, it's annoying. And so I actually think that for B2B, this is incredibly unique because the B2C customer, which you made the point earlier, is essentially the same person when they go home at night, they don't forget the behavior. So when they go shopping for B2B work, they're like, oh, what a pain in the ass this is. If only it were like Amazon. And now you're making it like Amazon. You're enabling them to go and get the, the, the content delivery mechanism similar to Amazon or Netflix, but now plugging in third-party information so that it may not be this specific person, but people who are like this person, this is t- traditionally what they like to click on. So they're seeing a more familiarized uh, platform in front of them, which means a million things beyond just the getting access to all the things they care about. It's also organizational. Like they get the, they get to see it in the order that they're expecting to see it and they don't get lost on your website and quit and leave. Exactly. And the reality is what they need changes, right? Because we're dealing with a buyer journey here. We're not dealing with a, uh, I either bought it or I didn't, right? This is where are you in your decision-making process? If you are very early in that decision-making process, the content we're going to put in front of you, is really an introduction, right? And the further you get down that, that, that journey, even though it's not linear, eventually you make your way near the end where you're like, you know what, I've gotten most of the information and just there's a few other things I need to know. For, an organ- for a business to be able to figure out, here's what you're missing, or you're, you're the IT lead, here's what you specifically need to know. Um, the ability to do that and again, surface the right content to the right person. Because it's even in, when you're selling to larger uh, businesses, you're not selling to one person. You're selling up to six people. Right? So 
we said you have to consume 11 pieces of content. Yeah, but that's, that might be distributed amongst five or six people. So figuring out which two to three assets each one of them needs is extremely difficult. This is a very, very difficult thing to do. Right? And no one's getting it perfect. And I'm not claiming we, we do it either. But every percentage point, we get better at shortening the, the time for that buyer to, to make their decision is big dollars, especially when it means you don't have to run that last campaign. I mean, campaigns can be extremely expensive. Yeah. It can save you a few dollars. That in itself is worth it, not, alone, not to mention the time. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a big part of what we do is, is how do we help you as a marketer have everything you need in front of you to be able to be nimble and be able to deliver those rich, dynamic, personalized experiences so that your buyers can make faster decisions. The other big part of that is, did you get it right? Right? You need the analytics. Um, so a big part of that is, is what is the pattern in which these particular accounts looked at content? What is the pattern I can now dissect and look at across all my accounts that were in this particular industry? What worked, right? Which is the fastest path for them to get the information? Um, so in other words, which is the fastest path to revenue? And figuring out the ROI of your content is this elusive thing that we are as organization trying very hard to solve. And you know, making our way towards it. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're as much talking about the evolution of sales as you are the technology or anything else. I mean, you know, forever there was this kind of thought of like, uh, we call it selfish design in a way where, and I'm thinking of SaaS here just because that's where I've spent a lot of time in it, but like the vast majority of SaaS sales-driven companies have this thought of like, I'm gonna convince you to buy me. I'm going to tell you why I'm so cool and different and startup-y and I'm going to try to sell you as opposed to what I think is the evolution of sales, which is where we are now in a position where it's not about that. Like you convinced me to buy you or at least consider you the minute I, I clicked on this, like I'm already here. So now it's more about helping facilitate my decision process. Help me feel comfortable with you. Help me understand the value you provide me. Help me understand whether I'm the right customer for you and vice versa. You know, I think that's the part of this that is misunderstood. And you, you see a lot of companies struggle in sales many times because they're, they're either driven with this like cold call, smile and dial mentality, and it's all volume and they don't really care. And it depends on the price point of the product, obviously, or it's in this sort of like, we've got them in stages, get them in the top of the funnel and swing them down to the mousetrap. And I, I think people have just gotten smart enough now where they identify it, they jump right through it and they make a decision without you. And if you don't know where you fall in that line, as you put, it's not necessarily linear, but it is at the end of the day, point A and point, you know, Z, whatever the point is that you buy on, hopefully it's more like C or D, but like somewhere at the end, it is generally parallel. And so I'm coming into this, I have a need, I meet you at the end that you solve my need. What happens in the middle is super, super important because if I zig when you zag in that process, then you lose me as a customer and you have to start all over again. And that's the part that I think you, you very eloquently described that most of these uh, companies, whether it's, and again, it's company is a loose term. It's B2B, B2C, it's kind of everybody. We have evolved and the tools that we use to market to people need to evolve with it. I'd love to learn more about Uberflip in general, just the process. What does it look like working with you? Sure. You know, just to add to what you just said, um, I think what you also described is the evolution of marketing and sales uh, as, yes, uh, as, totally. as they become united. I mean, content marketing has been around a long time now, and the promise of content marketing was 
to educate, right? It was the idea, we're not going to pitch you, we're not going to sell you, we're just going to give you information so that you can make your own decision. And sales has now had to adapt to that same mentality. And salespeople are really, the most successful salespeople are the consultants. They're like, I am here to help you. Whether it's to buy my product or service or not, I'm here to help you make that decision because I know you're going to make it on your own anyways. By the time you're ready to talk to me is when you've already made your decision. So, so it's, it's in my best interest to just help guide you and then maybe I'll be in your best favor. Um, and, and that's very much our model at Uberflow. Um, so, you know, so I'll, you were asking what is, what is the, the, or what was our structure at Uberflip for? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like what, you know, we've talked, we've kind of went inside out, right? We talked sort of about the problem and the solutions, but we didn't really get into Uberflip. I, I, I think that people need to understand the difference between what you offer and what Uberflip does versus say what any other, you know, cause there's a million marketing companies out there. Like, yeah, we help with the funnel, blah, blah. Like, I think you guys mm-hmm. offer something incredibly uniquely different. Um, so I, I mean, you. it's like, what is Uber flip? Yeah. Thank you. So, you know, what we position ourselves as, as a content experience platform. And when we say content experience, it's very much the user experience of your content as a business. So where, where we often straddle between is we're not a content marketing platform because content marketing platforms typically are those solutions that help you create content. That's not us. You bring your content to Uberflip once you've created it. You can still author content in Uberflip, but that's not, that's not our main game. Um, well, the other area we straddle with is the CMS, the content management system. That, you know, that, that tool that you know, every company has been using for 20 years, probably not paying any money for it. It's, IT owns it. You put up your corporate website on it. Maybe you spin up some landing pages on it. We're not that either. We're really sitting as the, uh, the marketer-driven solution to generate web destinations, all those things that we talked about that you click on from your, your tweets or your emails or your ads, but the marketing team being able to actually generate those on the fly and do so dynamically. Because the reality is, like we said, this isn't a static thing. Your, your marketing team over the years is, probably has hundreds of assets that they've produced automatically generating pages, multiple pages potentially, depending on which stream they're sitting on for which account or which campaign is really where Uberflip comes in, is the ability to manage that at scale. And a big part of what we do is our integration with the rest of your marketing stack. So we have really, really deep integrations with every major uh, marketing automation platform. So uh, Marketo, Eloqua, Pardot, HubSpot, um, that's really the, 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 a, a big part of what we offer is how tightly integrated those two pieces are. And we have many other integrations, like I mentioned, all those content integrations, whether it's YouTube or Vimeo or Vidyard, um, uh, you know, the list goes on, Wistia. So our ability to be that central hub for all of your content to, first of all, be normalized and be used, but then also all of your contacts that you're generating leads or, you know, you're, you're pushing people down this funnel for you to, to streamline that with the rest of, you know, the, the way you go to market, whether it's, you know, if it's Eloqua, getting those leads funneled into Eloqua, being able to generate emails based on that data. Um, that's a big part of what we do. So it's really about enabling the sophisticated marketer to be nimble with all their content and actually be able to prove value uh, while producing these rich experiences for their, for their customers. So obviously, you know, this is sort of your wheelhouse, of course, but the evolution of, the consumer, I would say this is B2B, this is B2C, this is buyer, this is seller. Pre-corona, I think we are already heading in, you know, from a media person's perspective in the right direction, from a 
um, business perspective, I think there was probably a couple of years of evolution needed before we got to where people were sort of feeling very comfortable. E-commerce is like just blowing up, but there's so much more growth in it. I look at Corona and I think in 30 to 45 days, I feel like this business has evolved maybe three years. Like it, it feels to me that people are doing things that they once thought were impossible and it only puts more pressure on being able to deliver digital experiences for the purposes of buying, selling, using, just all the above. When you look at this and where we are today versus where we were before Corona and then fast forward a couple of years or maybe just a year, I don't even know where we're gonna be <laughs> with this thing. I have no idea how long this is gonna last. But what do you see as both the opportunity for not just for Uber Flip, but just in general, like where do you see the, or what do you see the buying experience, the ideal buying experience to look like, you know, even in a year, let alone a couple of years, like what, what are the parts that are missing? It's a very good question. I mean, I think, I think Corona or COVID-19 has really forced our hands, right? You've not, I've never seen schools move faster, right? As an example. That's, so that's for sure. Like the, Holy the, cow. The, the ultimate example of, of uh, inert, of the slowest, you know, moving entity to having to be the fastest, right? We got to educate our kids. Um, I think that, you know, so many businesses rely on face-to-face, they rely on events and all those businesses have had to scramble and say, whoa, no events. Well, we can't do nothing because, um, as much as, as this, this, uh, pandemic has, um, made business hard, if we do nothing, it just makes it worse. So businesses have been forced to figure out a way to interact with their buyers there's a lot of businesses that are still flourishing right now uh, or have the opportunity to flourish if they can get in front of their uh, potential buyers digitally. Yeah. Uberflip is one example of that, of, of how, you know, we've had a lot of our accounts double down on what they're doing with us to, to create those digital destinations where, where events just are no longer possible. That, that adaptation is um, going to change how they go to market next year too, right? Because if they are successful, and I'm, and I'm confident they will be, and they are saving a ton of money because events are extremely expensive, you can bet that they're going to start changing how they go to market um, in future years. And that's also going to drive down other things. Like maybe there's not going to be as much business travel. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that the world is going to change. It's not going to be so drastic that maybe we can, we can tell if things might feel like they're going back to normal. Um, but underlying will be some changes that will drive more digital behavior. Um, and being able to connect all the different technologies that an organization is using to measure the success will be paramount. So, I mean, I think budgets are going to be cut. So what technologies are left in your stack are the ones adding the most value, right? So, you know, knock on wood, Uberflip is one of them. Um, but yeah, we're definitely going to see change. We're going to see a massive change to the MarTech landscape because a lot of technologies are not going to be able to survive this. The ones that were already on the chopping block or were looking for new homes are going to just have to uh, find that new home quickly or, or, or shut down. I think that's going to be one of the, the sad realities of this outcome. Um, but there, it's, you know, I, I, my guess is as good as yours as to what's going to happen, other than I'm very confident that the world will be a lot more digital and, uh, and different businesses are going to feel it in either positive or negative ways. I, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think, you know, reality is 
there are sometimes having things like this are not, it's not the worst thing. Obviously I'm not talking about societally and, you know, people and, and death and thing. That's not what I'm talking about. But from a business standpoint, you know, cleaning of the herd occasionally is not the worst thing. Um, and the forced advancement usually is how we see innovation. Most of the time, you know, early adopters always jump on and are, are happy to ride the rocket. It's the, the rest of the folks that generally are resistant and it takes something crazy to make them move forward. I actually like the amount of productivity I'm getting now because I'm not confined to like, yeah, the, the folks that I worked with who were more or less remote their whole careers anyway, nothing changed. Uh, but for the people who I was not saying I was forced to, but that I felt uh, com- I felt compelled to have to go meet them for coffee, physically drive places, do things, fly places. I'm learning that it is not necessary. And there are times that we can do it and times we should do it, but it's not all the time. And this, I, I'm just seeing an opportunity where it's like, wow, there are so many little gaps in the market where technology could, could be built or refined uh, or done away with in some cases uh, that will put us at a spot to be a far more productive business, far more efficient, and really to all of this conversation that you've given us so far, more uh, data-driven, more akin to all of my analytics. I want to know as an individual person, a living person, to a business operator, to my business's analytics, to the customer. And I want to know all of it. And that is really the key to me. I think that's where where all of this is heading. It's it's like there, your position and what you guys do couldn't be more important in the future because if the vast majority of decision, purchase decisions are made online or at least uh, 50-50, the decision is partially online and partially, you know, contact with the rep or whatever. Uh, there's no more, I mean, you are the first purchase that I make, right? I mean, you're, you're, you are my sales in a lot of ways. Uh, and so I think you're seeing this sort of uh, evolution, which I think is probably a good thing. Um, and obviously yeah, it's good I for you. I think it comes back to your example with your wife. You know, it's, uh, it's as, much as, as much as we were like, oh, why is Facebook following me around? At the same time, we take, um, you know, we enjoy that personalized experience. Those I've never, I never clicked on an ad before, like maybe once in my life, up until Instagram ads. Yeah. All of a sudden, oh my they God, just got great it right. example. And I'm clicking left, right, and center. I'm buying things, random things. I can't believe it. Um, that 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 opportunity happens in the B two B world where we can interact with our buyers, right? And the reality is, when you're interacting with your buyers at events, it's extremely difficult to get any sort of accurate data on how that event went. It's like almost impossible. Yeah. So totally. the more we do online, um, you know, the, the benefit of that is that we are just getting better data. Uh, we're getting more interactions and we can leverage that data to give our buyers what they actually want. And everybody wins in that scenario. You know, it's funny if you're, if you spend any time in the startup world, um, it is fail fast and fail and learn, learn from failure and all the like struggle porn lines that are so popular. And the reality is as a human being interacting, there is some reflection that I can make. I mean, obviously, you know, you can make a lot or a little, but like you, you have the ability to reflect on a conversation you may have had with someone, a sales call, you can listen to the call, you can go to an event and see whether or not you're, you know, whether your, your table looked good or it didn't look good, whatever. But all of that is qualitative. It's not quantitative. It's not, um, it's kind of an opinion uh, as to whether or not you think that was what went wrong or what went right. We are heading into a place now where you can literally simultaneously try and sell your product or service in 50 different ways at the exact same time and measure the response in real time on every single one of them. And then slowly or speedily, depending on how quick you are and your team size, 
kill off the campaigns and ads that are not working and roll it into the ones that are working. And that's something that I don't think most businesses could have captured, would have captured, uh, and now they they will because companies like you will exist and they will use them and they will not use them in the full capacity at first because they don't know. But then once they realize the power, I think you're opening up a door to be like, listen, we created 50 landing pages for this for this one company that we sell to and the, these three work the best. So now we've changed everything about how we create stuff. Absolutely right. I mean, I, I think uh, I think there's no better example right now, you know, hands being forced with our current situation everybody all of a sudden knows what zoom is right we're on it right now you know it's like it's this it's this tool that was for businesses that now every consumer even my, my dad knows what zoom yeah. is. Like, you know, it's uh it's and it's only because of what's happened here um so you know that's on the grand scale uh, we can't all be zooms but um at the same time you know to your point when every company has to can no longer afford to sit back and be like no we like the way we do things and Let's just keep doing it. When that's taken away, they're forced to look at other ways. And in many cases, that's going to really benefit them. And I hope that we're one of the you know, platforms that, uh, that can help the, that, that business uh, you know, grow and be sustainable. Well, I can tell you in this conversation, there's about three projects I'm working on right now where this makes a whole lot of sense. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to digging in and learning more about it. Uh, Yov, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Where do people go to learn more about Uberflip? Just go to our website, uberflip.com. Um, we have a lot of uh, a, a lot of exciting things coming down the pipe. As I mentioned, our, our marketplace is actually launching next week. That's going to be a huge uh, step forward in our evolution. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Hope you check it out. I'm here for any questions. Thank you, Yoa, for that. And uh, obviously, folks, if you uh, enjoy this podcast, you would enjoy the shows that we recently did with uh, Greenfly. I believe it's actually up on technory.com right now. Um, and of course you can follow me at Katu and follow Technori everywhere at Technori and sign up for the Technori newsletter at Technori.com. Boom. That's a wrap.